proved beyond a shadow of a doubt the love of God for us. And in the cross, we discover a God who loves us. He loves us unconditionally. And what the Bible teaches us is that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's unconditional love. In the cross, we discover a love that is unlimited. That means regardless of who we are, whatever we've done, the blood of Jesus is sufficient for that sin. That is unlimited love. But I want you also to understand today that in the cross we discover a love that is unselfish. And what I mean by that is Jesus went through things suffering. Not because he had to, but that he might identify with where we are. And so God's love is proved in the cross. And it's a love that is unconditional, that is unlimited and is unselfish. The death of Jesus was prophesied in the Old Testament hundreds of years before Jesus was to die. Uh, I think the most remarkable of those prophecies is in Isaiah chapter 53. And I want to read that this morning. We don't know this morning. Is that going to be on the screen? Wow. I was about to say, you're going to have to open your Bibles this morning. When I was a young pastor, just a wee pup, we used to open our Bibles when I preached. I'm sorry, I'm being sorry. Little, yeah, I'm sorry. There's something interesting about Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Uh, the book of Isaiah has 66 chapters. Hmm. It parallels the Bible that has 66 books. Hmm. The book of Isaiah is broken down. It has two themes. The first half of the book is about the judgment of God. The second half of Isaiah is about the hope. You're not going to believe this. The judgment of God is chapters 1 through 39. Hmm. Parallels the Old Testament that has 39 books. Hmm. The section of hope in Isaiah is chapters 40 through 66, which is 27 chapters and corresponds to the 27 books of the New Testament. It's kind of interesting that even chapter 40, the start of the section of hope, starts with what the New Testament starts about, talks about when it says, and there was a voice of one crying in the wilderness. It talks about John the Baptist. Isaiah 40 talks about a voice that cries in the wilderness. That's where that scripture is. Hmm. So if you take that parallel between the Bible and the book of Isaiah and you come to that final New Testament section, the section of hope, chapters 40 through 66, and you come dead in the middle, the 14th chapter of the section of hope, you come to Isaiah 53. And what is, what is Isaiah 53 about? It's about the death of Jesus. Do you understand? 
in the very center of the message of hope is the death of Jesus that he died for me. It's, it's rather outstanding, remarkable. Um, and this is what it says, and it speaks of the death of Jesus. And I want you to listen for me. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Sorrows, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53 expresses the very center message, core message of the New Testament that Jesus died for our sins. But there is something about those verses that literally just jumps out of the pages. And it is this truth. Not only did Jesus die for our sins, Jesus suffered for our sins. When I read Isaiah 53, the words of suffering jump from every verse. Despised, rejected, sorrows, grief, stricken, smitten, afflicted, wounded, bruised, stripes, oppressed. It's not a pretty picture. The prophecy of the Old Testament was very clear that the Christ would not only die for our sins, but He would suffer for our sins. The New Testament story, when the prophecies are fulfilled, bear out that story. Not only on the physical side, but if you think of the story of the crucifixion of Jesus in the days that led up to it, you begin to see the mental anguish, the psychological part. That Jesus knew in his mind what was coming. That he was betrayed by one of those of his closest followers. That when he went to the garden of Gethsemane and he prayed that this cup would be taken from him, he agonized over that, I, I, I want to just maybe pause, cause a time, call a time out in the garden, praying that this cup would pass from me. I've thought about that. I don't think it was so much that Jesus was saying that the cup of death 
would be taken from him. It was not the death that Jesus anticipated. It was the suffering that would go along with the death. That Jesus said, if this cup can pass from me, I want you to understand that the Father sent the word, no, this is my will. And Jesus said, your will be done. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus didn't just sip from the cup of suffering. He drank it to the very bottom. Jesus knew that was coming. And he agonized over that. When he was arrested, he was spit on. He was slapped and he was mocked. That is a part of the mental anguish. The physical pain, though, we see in the story as we read in the Gospels of the scourging of Jesus as he was whipped and his back was cut open by that whip. He was stripped of his clothes and he was crucified. And in the crucifixion, his, his hands, or probably more so through his wrist, were nailed to, his cr- to the wooden cross and... So were his feet. When they offered him the sour wine mixed with gall, which was a sedative, Jesus refused the sour wine with gall, which gall, which would have been a sedative. Do you understand why? Jesus said, No, there will be no sedative because I will experience the fullness of of human suffering. It was a part of God's plan. What I want you to understand is that the cross is is described by humiliation, shame, and brutality. It was not just about dying. It was about suffering. When Jesus spoke to the two on the road to Emmaus recorded in Luke chapter 24. He said to them, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? He said to the disciples in the upper room recorded in Luke 24, 46, Thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. And to rise from the dead the third day. I asked the question this morning, why? I'll be honest with you, several weeks ago when I began to lay out these scriptures about the cross and to see the glory and to look at the love and the, and the peace and the forgiveness and the reconciliation and the redemption and the power in the cross. It was this sermon, it was this idea that it's not only that he died but that he suffered. And I'm an old preacher. And I'm asking the question in my office, why? Why was it necessary? Why couldn't have Jesus just have died for my sins? Why did He have to suffer for my sins? And what I realized, that Jesus had to, to identify With my humanness. That Jesus had to share 
in the lowest depths of humanness or human experience in the suffering to say, no, I've experienced anything and everything you will ever go through in life. There is none of it that I have said, no, I'm not willing to do that. Do you understand that out of Jesus' love for us, He shared in the lowest depths of the human experience in suffering. He went all the way. He never wanted there to be anything that He couldn't say, I've been there. No, he's been through the worst. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul talks about that he did not cling, that Jesus did not cling to his deity in heaven but that he emptied himself and he took the form of a servant and he came in human flesh like us. Get it? He left glory and to be the sacrifice for us, he said, no, I'm going to become like them. I guess Jesus could have died on the cross, I guess, in some kind of like angelic being figure. I don't know what that is, how that all works. But he still could have died on the cross like as an angel? No. No, you're going to be born <laughs> of a little girl in a barn <laughs> in Bethlehem. You're going to mess up your diapers. <laughs> you're going to cry. Uh, I don't know if Mary thought Jesus was a little stinker or not. I don't know. I'm sure he kept her up at nights. I mean, there's nothing more vulnerable and human than the birth of a child. And Jesus started that way. But in Philippians 2, Paul says in verse 8 that, And he took on human form, but he went deeper than that. It says, And he became obedient to death. Not only did he leave glory to become like us, but he was willing to physically die as a human being to pay for our sins. Paul, he didn't even stop there. In taking human form, he, he became like us, and he came to the point of obedience, of death. And then Paul says, even the death of a cross. No, he went all the way. When he left glory, it wasn't that the Father says, I need you, I need you to take human form. And I need you to die, but we're going to make it real gentle and easy, you know, lethal injection or something like that where you don't suffer. No, 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 no. No, I'm going to, I'm going to leave the perfectness of heaven and I'm going to come into a world of humanness that is marred by sin. And that's really what's wrong with our world is sin. It's either our sin or it's other people's sin, but that's why our world is messed up. And maybe the sins of our forefathers, but that's why we're in the shape that we're in. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to come in humanness I'm going to, and I'm going, to, I'm going to find myself just like them in the midst of a fallen world. 
But I'm not even going to just stop there. I'm going to go all the way and I'm going to die for them. But it's not just that I'm going to die for them. I'm going to die in the day in which he came, which is according to the perfect plan of God. I will die the most gruesome death that is known that the Romans invented, invented for torture to be the most gruesome death possible, the death of the cross. Do you understand that Jesus went all the way the lowest depths of human experience he suffered so that and I know Jesus wouldn't say this I don't guess but you need to hear it so that Jesus regardless of what you pass through Jesus says I have been there I've been to the worst and suffered the agonizing death. And that was the cup in the garden that Jesus said, Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass. It was not the cup, I don't think, of death. It was the cup of suffering. And what I shared with you earlier is Jesus did not simply sip from the cup of suffering. He drank it to its bitter bottom. He drank it all to go all the way for us so that we would always know, regardless of what you go through, Jesus says, I have been there. The writer of Hebrews talks about Jesus becoming like us in all respects. And so in Hebrews 2, 17 and 18, he sa- the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation or sacrifice for the sins of the people. For in that, he himself has suffered. Being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. In all respects, he came like us. And the Father didn't spare him or protect him from the worst of the human experience. He let him go all the way to the lowest depths of human suffering. Hmm. I don't really have time to trace it out this morning, but uh, the book of 1 Peter is a book about Christians suffering. And Peter's letter of encouragement to them... And this is what Peter says when I begin to read through that. What is Peter's answer to the suffering that they are experiencing as Christians? And his answer is at least four times in the letter. He says, Christ has also suffered for you. What if in the midst of that suffering, the Christians had looked at the life of Jesus and said, Wait a second. God made it easy for him. He took him out gently and nicely. That was a sweet little death that Jesus died. No. I don't know. One of those verses in 1 Peter 4, 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Peter's answer to the people experiencing suffering was, if you're wondering, Jesus has been there. He suffered for you. In the cross, we discover the love of God 
that is unconditional. That means He loved us when we were still sinners. We discover a love that is unlimited. Whoever we are, whatever we have done, the blood of Jesus is sufficient for that sin and that sinner. But we also discover a love that is unselfish that Jesus said, I will so identify with your human experience that I will go all the way and I will not only die, but it will be the death of the cross. And in that cross we find the glory. The old hymn says, On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. The second verse says, Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left His glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. In the old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For twas on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. The chorus says, So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Do you understand? The old rugged cross is the epitome of humiliation, shame, and brutality. But for Jesus, it was through suffering that He found glory. Actually, that's what the Philippians 2 passage in coming in the likeness of man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross therefore God has highly exalted him do you understand in the scheme of God's doings and redemption that it is only through suffering that Jesus could experience glory hmm. my message to you today it's only through His suffering that we can experience glory, a crown. If someone loved you that much, how could you ever turn away? Someone who was not only willing to die for you, but take it to the farthest, lowest depth, to say, no, I will suffer with you so that you will always know that regardless of whatever you pass through, I've been there. If someone loved you that much, how could you turn away? It's through His suffering and only through His suffering and His death that we can experience glory of heaven. But it is a gift of salvation that must be received.
there must come a point in our life where we say, yes. If you're trying to do things to be right with God, the cross says it's already been done. Now the work is finished. You must simply accept it and believe and say yes. To the Savior who loved you enough not only to die for you, but to suffer for you. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Our musicians are going to come. Byron's going to be on one side. I'm going to be on the other side. Uh, This morning... If you need to say yes to the Savior, we're going to invite you to come. You can come to the altar. You can come speak to Byron and I. Uh, There has to be some response to someone who would love us like that. This is your time to respond as we sing.